back from the summer, school started, uh, life is, is back to normal for a lot of us. Some of us, maybe not, I don't know. Hey, I want to start this morning with uh, a, a story that, that's important to me. And it was one of those moments in time in my life where I, I knew, like, like, as it was happening, I was like, this, I might remember this in the future, but I had no clue how much I would remember it and refer back to it. You ever have one of those moments that, it, like, you're like, I didn't know that this would be such an instrumental moment. It was in probably 2008, 2009, somewhere in that area. Christy and I just purchased a fixer-upper. Actually, we bought two fixer-uppers. It was a two-for-one deal for houses. It was two houses on one lot, and both of them were just demolished. Um, yeah, like, like the holes in the ceiling, no flooring. One of them is a double-wide trailer. And, and so we spent literally the next six months to a year and then really years fixing up these homes. Um, but we did the first few months in our, our home that we would live in, and then we would rent the other one. And so once we got our home at least livable, I moved over to the, the other one, the double-wide trailer. And I remember one day I was working in the trailer. And some of you have heard this story. Um, and, and as I was working by myself, I was listening to music, and then I, I put on some sermons. And I, I was starting to listen to this guy named Andy Stanley. And um, I was enjoying his sermons, and, and, and one after another, and I was just kind of listening to him, you know, listening to one, and then I'd li grab another one, and grab another one. And there was one in particular where, as he was preaching, and I, 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 was, I remember where I was working on the house. I was working on some flooring in this house. And I remember being, like, just convicted, like, this is, I, I needed this sermon. I needed these words exactly. Um, and, and I was like, I need to, not only do I, like, was I convicted, I need to confess some sin in my life. And I thought about, like, you know, calling a, some friends of mine and bringing them into my life a little bit of what, was, what I was struggling with, what was going on. And then I, after, I, th like, that part, that was like two-thirds of the way through the sermon, at the end of the sermon, this preacher, Andy, Andy Stanley, started to kind of, like, um, like show behind the curtains, like like lay down his cards on the table and say, listen, our church, we built this church actually not for the person who's church, but for the person who's unchurched. And he's like, today, if you're, if you're a Christian, today, like, yes, we hope you get something out of it, but we really designed our environments, designed our, our preaching, designed what we do with the person who doesn't go to church in mind. Now, keep in mind, I'm I was uh, probably about 30, oh, how old would I have been? Yeah, about 30 years old at the time. I'd been to uh, a Christian my whole life. I'd got grown up in the church. I went to Bible college. Then I'm, I'm in seminary at the time, okay? And here's a guy that just preached a sermon that, that convicted me as a seminarian. Like it was deep and meaningful to me as a seminarian. And then he told me, but it's not for you. It's actually for the person who's not here Yet and guys, I, when that happened, I did like some of you might be like, "What's the big deal?" For me, that was a huge deal because in my mind there was this idea of like church is for church people, and and I didn't know that you could do that. I didn't know you could do both, that you could do church in such a way to where both the Christian who's been at church every week, I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you? Get something out of it. And then the person who's maybe not darkened the door of a church for 20 years or someone who's kind of like this or somebody who's, you know, like, like just kind of on the edge, maybe like about to walk away from faith or not sure what they believe, they can come in and find it meaningful as well. Guys, I can't tell you how much that changed for me. 
It changed my paradigm. It was like a paradigm shift in what I thought church could and should be. At the, around the same time, I was volunteering with an organization called Young Life. And many of you are familiar with it because we're pretty partnered with it here at Colorado Life Church. And, and Young Life, the, I, was do, I had done youth ministry for almost 10 years at that. No, probably like seven years at that time. And I started partnering with this organization that, that said, we're not going to just create events where kids can come. We're going to go where kids are. And we're going to go and, and earn the right to be heard. We're going to be on their campus. And to that point, I hadn't really spent much time in the schools. I did my youth group on Wednesday nights. You know, I did church on Sunday mornings. And those were my kids. You know, there was a small group of kids. And we did great things. I mean, we did unbelievable outdoor events. Oh, my gosh, it was so much fun. But I started to like look at, look, I started looking at, again, paradigm shift, looking at it differently. What if we went out and we went to where these people, where these, these students are and, and earned the right to be heard? And I call that the one-two punch between that, that preaching from that, that, that church, Andy Stanley, and, and, and Young Life. For me, it brought, it shed so much light on, on who I, I am and who God created me. It, it, I, was, I was ruined. I couldn't look at the world differently. From that point on, church, I'd go to church, and all I could see when I was working at a church at the time, and all I could see was the person on the back row, like that was really uncomfortable. I could tell was not quite sure they wanted to be there. I couldn't, I, and I couldn't stop thinking about them. I was, yes, yes, we've got all of these people going to church. This is great. That's awesome. But what about this person? What about the person who's not even here yet? And it brought me on this road, this path, to where we are today. And what's so cool is we're, we're, we're doing this series on calling. We're, we're doing a series specifically on this idea of personal calling. That you and I are called to something. That God created you and I specifically, uniquely, to do certain things. To be certain, a certain way. And, and it, it's, we have this wonderful uh, job, opportunity, responsibility, sometimes very, like, challenging. Like, like, like uh, it's just a challenge sometimes to figure out who you are, right? What you're made to do. We've talked about that last week, how it can be kind of heavy. And we've talked about calling it. We've talked about calling it a number of different ways, like, well, like clues. There's all sorts of, like, this last week something happened in your life that gave you a clue as to who you are and who God created you to be. I, I'm convinced of that every week because he wants us to find it. So there, every week there's something, there's something going on. Um, we talked about stages of calling. There's four different stages of calling. That was a great sermon. Um, we talked about what do you do when you can't find your calling? What do you feel like when you're stuck or you're waiting? And we talked about glorifying God, that the chief end of man, the, 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 like when all else fails, when we don't, when we can't figure out what we're supposed to do, we can just fall on this one statement that, that, that our purpose in life is just to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We looked at that last week. And honestly, if you're, if you're in your 20s here today, or you're a student, please, you should go back and listen to these sermons. They're like, I know some of you guys haven't been here for this series. It's been, the, the feedback I've been getting is like, oh, this is so helpful to sort through who I am and what I'm supposed to do. Because we all have that in our hearts to figure out, like, what am I uniquely created for? And sometimes that can be a really daunting thing. But I, I said the first week, you're closer than you think, and it's easier than you think. I think we're closer to our calling than we realize. And so we've talked about all the different type, you know, all the different ways we can approach our calling. I've talked about the different, like, in a sense, we talked about 
uh, almost different dimensions of our calling. Put that slide up, Trevor. There's almost like three dimensions to our calling. And this isn't like the Bible. This is, I don't have a verse for this. This is like Josh thought right here. Like we have a personal, a sense of personal calling. Like you were created uniquely to do something. There's something unique about you that, that you offer when you enter the room. And, and, and we've all, everybody's felt that. Uh, even, even, even if you're a student, you've felt things. They're like, I, I just see the world this way. You're getting inklings of that. And then there's a general sense of, of calling. Like I was just talking about, we're all called to glorify God and just enjoy him. Like we're called, like we're called to, that, to do that. And we talked about it the last week that, that some of us will do that. Not everybody will actually glorify God and enjoy him. But there is, we do have this general sense of calling that we can fall back on when we're trying to figure out our unique calling. It's kind of nice. Personal, general. And then there's this one, and this is what we want to talk about today, is a missional sense of calling. And I know there's some overlap. I know there's some blur in there. But the, the, here's what I mean by missional, the fact that, that God is on mission, and he wants us to join on that mission. The, the, the missional sense of God, we see God on mission, you know, in the New Testament, there's this verse that, God, that, that says that God doesn't long, and he doesn't want anyone to perish, but longs for everybody to come, what's the verse? I should have written it down. Isn't, he's not willing for any to perish, but all to come into a saving knowledge of him. That's God's desire. When Jesus came onto the scene, he talked about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this. It's like the kingdom of God is like that. The kingdom of God is like this. He's like, the kingdom of God is like a man who, who threw a banquet, and he just invites everybody in the town, and he's just hoping that they will come. The kingdom of God is like a man who went out, and uh, he was a farmer, and he, he threw seeds on the ground, hoping that all of them will grow. You see this, this longing, this sense of mission in God himself. In, Je in Jesus, he's like, the Son of Man came to, to seek and to save what? Who? The lost. It's un... You, you, if you open the New Testament and you really sit down and read it, you cannot run away from the fact that God is on a mission. He's on a mission for those who are far from him. That's what the good news is all about, is it's good news that, 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 that for, for those of us who are far, for, for all of us, we've been far from God. We have periods in our life where we run away from God, and he longs for us to come back. If you feel far from God, this is good news. Just listen to this. If you feel far from God right now, he's on a mission to bring you near again. So when it comes to our calling, we have a personal calling. This, those things that you are, are made, it's like, man, when I do this, I am made to do this. And then there's this idea, like a general sense of calling, that we're all made to glorify God. And then there's a missional sense of calling. This sense that God is, is asking us to join him on mission, to, to, to seek and save those who are, are far from him, to bring them Near. And here's, in my experience, and you can see if you agree or, agree or disagree with this, but in my point of view, not many people make it to that third level of calling. 
I think all of us, it's, it's kind of just in us to, to long for, okay, how am I uniquely created? I'd love to know that. I'd love to pursue that. I'd love to, you know, we do personality tests. We do things at work. We go to conferences. We do all sorts of different things to find out who we are. Like, it's just, it's like we can't not, right? And that's a good thing, right? And even if, we're, if you're a Christian, you're, you're this, this idea that, yeah, I, I've, I've felt connected to God. I long for a connection with God. In fact, many of you are here today because you want to be connected with God. And I find that a lot of people, like, once they get a little bit of identity, and once they, they get a little bit of connection, hey, this is what's unique about me, and I feel connected to God, they kind of just stop. We kind of just stop there. And here's the thing. I'm just going to throw out a challenge right here in the intro of the sermon this morning. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you believe in God, you, you, you want to connect with him. And there, but there's been recently a sense of, but is this it? Is that all? Is, is there more? And maybe life is good. Maybe you feel connected to him. You feel even close to him at times. But there's still this voice in the back of your head that sometimes you just want to kind of push back and be like, no, it's okay. But there's this voice that's like, is this it? Is this all that there is? Is there more? I would contend that maybe, maybe, maybe what's going on in your heart is that you need to step into the missional calling of God, that, that we as, as, as believers need to step into and step closer to his mission for, for what, what he wants to do in this world. How do we take steps towards this? How, do, how does one take steps towards this? I want to look at two verses that will help us guide, guide us towards taking steps towards our missional calling. And the first, one, the first verse is Jesus, is, like, what's cool about this is the first verse is, tells us Jesus' view of us. And then the second verse tells us Jesus' view of the world, how Jesus viewed the world around us. The first, one, the first verse shows us how he views us, which is cool. Like, like, like how, wouldn't you like to know, like, how does Jesus view you? He, that starts with, you are. He, he's talking to his disciples and he starts with these words, you are. And they're both verses are found in Matthew. Uh, the first one's in Matthew 5. And before you put, the, the, put it up, Trevor, Matthew 5 is, is really important. As I was putting this, this uh, sermon together, I was like, I want to preach out of, out of Matthew 5. And I realized Matt, like, it's, that's right in the meat, in the heart of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' most famous sermon. And who knows, he may have preached it all at one point in time. He might have preached it over, over time, and then it was compiled by Matthew. But the, the reality is, is probably if you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, those are, those are verses that the disciples probably heard more than once. Because if, if Jesus, it's kind of like this, if Jesus was running for president, this was his stump speech. You know, this Jesus was saying, hey, I, I am the Messiah. Okay, guys, I, I am the Messiah. And, and I long to be king of Israel, which is what, what people were, they were longing for a, a king in Israel to come and do mighty things for Israel. And he's like, okay, so this is, when he gave this stump speech, it's just like, I mean, just like a politician would do. Like, what's their, what's their thing? What's that called? 
No, what's their, when they have an issue, not their soapbox. What's that? Their platform. This is, do you, thank you, Jan. This is Jesus' platform today. And it starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it's all of these weird kind of spins like, no, we don't normally think of somebody who's poor as blessed or happy. But Jesus said, no, in, in the kingdom of God, see, in my kingdom, in the kingdom that I want to set up, this is what life will look like. These, these chapters are super important. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you want to be a Christian and you're and like you want to follow Christ, but you're not all that familiar with what's in those chapters, you got some great homework to do. Like you have some you have some really rich, like wealthy, healthy, like uh, homework to do. Because reading those, you'll find out, oh, that's what it means. In the middle of that is, is the verse that we're looking at today. And he this is the you are statements that Jesus says about you and me. Again, we're, it, he's talking to his disciples. If we want to be his disciples, these are words for us. Jesus, this is Jesus' view of his disciples right here. He says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and be trampled underfoot, to which we as modern readers say, What? You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no good, to, like, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. When's the last time any of you threw salt out on a road? Yeah, I didn't think so. I, 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 last one. Oh, yeah, I guess we do throw salt on the road, but that's like for a very, Roy, look at this, Roy, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, we do, but like, it, it, no, you just ruined it for me, Roy. But, but it's, it's still salty salt, otherwise it wouldn't melt the ice. Thank you very much. So, so but like we, we don't, this, is, this is a paradigm we're not familiar with because we don't look at salt completely the same way that as, as the ancient world did. Let's hold on to salt for a second. I want to go to the next one. You are, you are the light of the world. Jesus, talking to disciples. You are, again, this is in a series about calling, right? This is important. Wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't you love to have time with Jesus and have him speak into who you are? This is what he's doing right now. You are the light of the world. A town built on a, a, a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a hill. Neither do people light a lamp. And this one we can kind of understand. We don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. You know, you don't light the flashlight on your phone and then cover it up with your jacket as you're walking around outside in the dark, right? You know, no one, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it out on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. It's lighting 101, right? You want that light to shine as brightly and, and to, to be as effective in illuminating darkness as possible. Jesus said, that's you. If you're a disciple, if you're my disciple, if you're going to be part of my kingdom, in the kingdom of God, this is what I envision. That you would be salty. Let's go back to salt for a second. Salt is, is obviously, it's, it's something that brings flavor to, to meats and foods. But in the, it, the primary purpose of salt, I don't think you'd find salt on a table in the ancient world that they just, you know, like, oh, this, this needs a little salt. They, the way they used salt almost exclusively was for as a preservative. They didn't have refrigerants, right? And if you pack 
salt into meat. You know, like if you just, I've done this before. I, I've, I've been like playing around with like brining meat and salting meat, making hams and cured meats. It's pretty awesome. I'll bring you some sometime. It's really good. But basically, you just surround uh, the, the meat in salt, and then all of the bacteria, moisture, and, and you know, this stuff gets sucked out of it so that the bacteria can't grow in it afterwards. It preserves the meat. And that's what Jesus is saying is you, if you're my follower, I kind of like, like when I think of you, again, this is what Jesus thinks of us when he thinks of us. When I think of you, when he thinks of you in your context, at your house, at work, in the world, he's saying basically I see you as bringing flavor. You're salt. Where you go, like people should be attracted to you because you taste good. (laughs) You know, there's something about you that, that's, that's appealing, right? But then even maybe more than that, there's to be something, as you go out into the world, you are preserving it. You're sucking out the bad. <laughs> as you, like, like a room is better when you are in it than if you weren't. That's Jesus' vision for us as believers, yeah, he wants us to have a sense of calling. He wants, he wants you to have this sense, a unique sense of this is who I am. This is what I'm created to do. And what I mean do, I mean like work with your hands and do. Work with your brains and do. Work with your creativity and create. Those are all part of our calling. And yes, there's this deep sense that like he wants us, this general, this general sense of all of us to glorify him, to enjoy him forever. That's unescapable. Like, that's just kind of foundational 101. He longs for all of us to have that. But then, he doesn't want it to just stop there. It's not just you and me, Jesus, we're we're going through like, no. If if we're following Jesus, he would say, no, I want you to join me on mission. To join me on mission is, is to, you know, have 99 sheep. And if one of them gets lost, guess what Jesus, where Jesus will be? He will be grabbing his coat and his light to go into the darkness to find that one sheep. To bring light to that dark soul. That's his paradigm. That's, uh, that's how, and if you read the scriptures, it makes sense. You see that focus, that laser focus that he has. Yeah, yeah, Pharisees, you're good. Religious leaders, I think you're doing okay. It's them. It's this person who's on the outskirts, who's on the edge, who's marginalized, who's been pushed out by religion, who sees reli- the religious system and says, I can't, no, I, I can't do that. And because they're going away from a religious system, they're maybe going away from God. That's what he would say. No, that's what broke Jesus' heart. In a sense, that's who he came. And he came for all of us, but then you, when he got you know, boots on the ground, you see him just going straight to those people, straight to those people, bringing salt and light where there was none. And then he said, come and follow me. And, and the, we are supposed to be on mission with him. See, see um, when God sees you, I wrote this in my notes, when God sees you, he sees someone capable of bringing light into somebody else's world. Did, did you guys get that? Everybody look at me right now. When he sees you, when God sees you, he sees somebody capable of bringing light into somebody else's world. 
And can we all agree the world needs a little bit of light right now? Because the reality is, is you and I, 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 I'm just like you. I get overwhelmed. It's so dark right now, right? It, like the world is a dark place. And it, what happens is, this is, and we'll talk about this in a minute. The, 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 the reality is, is you and I see so much darkness. And what do we do? And be like, can I just have my Bible in Jesus? You know what I mean? Like, like, can I just be comforted by God right now? And, and, and in some senses, that's a, that's a wonderful longing that we would long and, and draw on him. But it, it, we cannot do it in a way that draws back from a dark world. We just, we can't if we're going to call ourselves followers. When he sees you, he sees someone who's capable of bringing light in the world, into a dark world. When he sees you, he sees somebody capable of bringing flavor and, pres and preservation to a world that's dying. I just wanted to let that sink in on us this morning. I just wanted to, to not let that pass us as we, if you guys probably, every person here has probably heard this verse before. And I wanted to let that settle in because this is Jesus' view of you. This is Jesus' view of me. Now, let's go to our second verse. I want us to look at Jesus' view of the world. Because this is remarkable. And I, I, I promise you here in just a second, Jesus' view of the world is going to be different than your own. Let's check this out. Matthew 9, verse, starting in verse 30. Uh, I've got 35 here. Uh, I don't know if I have it up there. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So he's going through the, 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 this whole region of, of Israel, and he's just preaching, he's healing, and teaching the, the good news of the kingdom. When he saw the crowds, so, so because he's healing and because he's teaching in a way that people had not heard before, he's teaching with authority, he's teaching in such a way that like people are like, I got to go see about this guy. There were crowds all around. When he saw the crowds, this is so good, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Why did this break Jesus' heart when he saw this broken world? Because he was, he was on mission. He came for the brokenhearted. He came for the, the, the shepherdless, for those who are wandering through life and just like, I'm not sure if this is it. He came for that person. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, so it's like, all right, guys, time for an object lesson. And the object lesson is Everybody, this, you see this multitude right here? This is your object lesson for today. And he says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. At, therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. To which I'm, I promise you, the, uh, guys, the d disciples had to be like, what is he talking about again? You know what I mean? Like, like wh wh what do you mean? Like, we, we, like, you're the Messiah. We want to follow you around. We want you to take over Israel and do, kick some butt, okay? That's what we would like to do. Now you're talking about people as a harvest. What? And I think that some of these things, they, they either jot them down or noted them or he said them enough. Again, this is probably something he said more than once. Hey, guys, 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 bring it in, bring it in. Take a knee, take a knee. You see this? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are, are few. 
And they're like, oh, gosh, here he goes again. I, I, you know, they, maybe John and Peter are like, I bet you he does the harvest thing right now. Click. Yep, there it is, you know. I don't know how it went down, but they, they, this, this ended up in Scripture, this account that Jesus, when he, as he looked at the world, his view of the world, when he looks at the world, and, and, and guys, we can say that things are bad now. We can say things are dark now. There were things in the ancient world in Jesus' day that would curl our fingernails. Like, like it would curl our hair. It would be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. There's really nothing new under the sun. We're going to do an event next week where we fight sex trafficking with kids. And you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, this is so horrible. That, that's, that's, an, that's an old trade that was happening back in this world. There's nothing new under the sun. And Jesus looked out in, into a dark world, and he used this metaphor, really interesting metaphor if you think about it. The, it what, you know what I see when I see uh, the world, guys? I don't see darkness. I don't see brokenness. I see a harvest. Some of you grew up in agrarian areas. I was fortunate. I grew up in the Midwest. I've been in the Midwest, like in some of these uh, farming areas, when the harvest is going on. Can I just say there's like this energy? I'm right in this. Like there's an energy around the harvest. Because like harvest equals abundance. Harvest equals wealth. Harvest equals fruition. You've worked hard all year. And this is, this is true in modern agriculture as it is in ancient. Because as, as modern as we are, and we've got huge machinery that, that help us like, get very, very productive in our farming, the reality is a hailstorm can come at any time and just wipe it out. So the harvest is like, this is a time to gather, to reap what you've sown. This is, this is payday. That's what Jesus saw when he saw a crowd of people. Some of them knew, knew God. Some of them were far from God. Some of them were good people. Some of them were not good people. And Jesus would say, hey, disciples, listen. You know what I see when I look out in the world? I see a harvest. Pause for a second. Stop. This is very, very important. When you look at the world, what do you see? When you think about the people that you work with, and their attitude towards God, what do you see? When you, when you, when you think about the, the kids in your school and the way that they're living their lives and the decisions they're making, what do you see? You, you know what I mean? Isn't this good to think about? This was convicting to me this week, and I'm the one preaching the sermon. This was very convicting to me because I, I, I've, I've let the world kind of like drag me down in recent years. The heaviness of the world, I don't know, it's maybe turning 40. Like, I've heard that about something about 40. That's like, well, you're over the hill now, and like everything's going down. You know, it's just like, it's just like I don't know if it was that, but for, I don't, to be, to be honest, guys, I don't see the world the way that Jesus does right now. I don't see abundance. Have you ever heard that, the, the paradigm of the scarcity mindset versus the abundant mindset? This is, this is really interesting if you haven't heard it. There's like, and I should have I done like a slide or something, but I'll, I will I'll explain it. There, there's a mindset, like some people look at the world and there's not much out there, and so you've got to be really careful and really uh, guarded of your, of your resources. That's a scarcity mindset. And then there's other people who live out of more of an abundance mindset. 
that, that no, the world, like, there's, like, from a business standpoint, be like, no, there is so much money out there. We will go out there and we'll make some of it. Versus, no, there's so few accounts. I need to guard these accounts, like, with my life. That's a scarcity mindset. But then there's the abundant mindset, the abundance mindset where, like, no, there's lots out there. This is a big world. And to bring that into a spiritual sense, God's a big God. And, and he's promised to, to take care of us, to provide for us, to give us, to provide for us more than we would ever need. And so, so that therefore, I walk with confidence. That's what abundance mindsets bring us. That's how, how they live out within us. Do you see the abundance mindset here? When Jesus looks at the world, when he looks at the world, he has an abundance mindset. And he says that, that there's, there's so many people out there. But the, the, the harvest is plentiful. And he's talking in a spiritual sense. He's saying that there's a harvest, that, that as, as we look at the world, there are lots and lots of people out there that are wanting and willing to connect with God. What is, but he, what, so, so that's abundant. What is few? Did you catch what's few in the, in the passage? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Okay, so the next slide is Josh's take on Matthew 9.38. You want to see it? This is Josh's take on Matthew 9.38. There are more people interested in God than there are believers who are willing to walk with them. I think if we, if we apply what Jesus is saying to our world right now, Evergreen, Colorado, or Littleton, or, or wherever you're, you're coming from this morning. I, I believe that in your world, there are more people interested in God than there are people who are willing to walk with them to God. Do you believe that? Do you live that way? If you're, if you're a believer, do you believe that, 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 God, they're, they're, that God is working in people's hearts and people are, are genuinely interested in who he is and would actually probably want to connect with him. And really what's lacking is not th those people. What's lacking is people who are willing to do the work to walk with them towards God. I, I believe that. I, I believe there are more people interested in, in God than there are believers who are willing to walk with them. And, and I know that people, you could say, okay, Justin, why, where is everybody? Why, like the pushback is, okay, why aren't they coming to church? Why aren't they, and, and, and here's, here's my, I think there's a couple reasons. I think there's, one reason is they've been, the reason they're not coming to church, they've been to church. They've already been to church. They've been, there's a sense of been there, done that. They grew up in the church. They're, they're, there's, you know, like there's angst with the church. Their mom got hurt in the church. The pastor ran off with somebody in the church. The pastor has a jet in the church. Whatever that might be, like, like that's, that's the, they, they've been there, done that. So like, and then, and, and then maybe it's not even that visceral. Maybe it's just like, I went to church and it was really boring. I didn't really understand what was going on. And I'm kind of busy. And I don't like doing boring things, so they didn't come back. And so, like, it doesn't mean that their desire to connect with God is any lower. It's just like, okay, church isn't going to help me with that connection. That, you know how many people fit in that category? That's probably the biggest category in our culture. I would, I would put money, 100 bucks, on that, that most people are in 
that category. But then there's other people. Because we live in a post-Christian nation, we're, we're like in that era like where we were a pretty Christian nation not too long ago. Like more people went to church. More people were familiar with the Bible. More people understand like the storyline of, of the Bible and, and, Christian, uh, and, and Christ and what you know, Jesus died on the cross and, that, and all those things. Know some songs, know some culture, subculture, like, like that. We've, we're moving beyond that. And the reality is there is a whole generation of people that are semi-familiar with the church because of the, our Christian heritage as a nation, but they, they've actually never been there. But they have a very uh, definitive idea of what church is and what it might be like. So they're just like, hey, that's over there. I'm going to stay over here. And again, a lot of those people, I believe, are open to connecting with God, they would consider themselves pretty spiritual in nature. In fact, some of you, that's your story. You grew up and, and, and church wasn't a big part of your story. And, and you're, you weren't necessarily against it, but you weren't going to go there on a Sunday morning, right? Like this just wasn't going to be your thing. And, and now you, maybe you come because like, and then if something happened, you got to a church and you're like, oh, that's what church is? And you got, you changed your mind in a pleasant way. A very pleasant way. And see, here's the thing. What I'm trying to say here is we are, as a culture, we are far beyond billboards, flyers, tracks, big buildings, programs. In fact, like, like the, I, I think the next big is small. The next big thing in the church world is small gatherings like this that, en- that have intersected into people's lives in a way that, that maybe isn't, usual, like, isn't usual for how things were done in the past. They didn't just show up at church. They didn't see a billboard. They didn't, you know, like watch a TV show. But they, they came to, to church one way, through a person, through someone being salt, someone being light in their life. Think of your own story. Maybe that's your own story. A lot of you, that might be your story. I was just walking along, and then all of a sudden I met so-and-so. Again, it's one of those moments that you're like, it's a defining moment, and you didn't know it. But if you could go back and write down what, you know, what happened or how, when it happened, you'd be like, they, they became important. See, this is why, and this is where I want to land this morning, is what I'm excited about this sermon, because this is our, our chance to tie in this conversation about calling into our strategy as a church. The very existence of, 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 of the reason of, for our existence as a church. And uh, just, to, just so you guys know, our, this is our vision statement as a church. Colorado Life Church exists to put the bottom rungs on the ladder for those who are open to connecting with God. Early, early on in the process of planting our, our church, uh, one of the launch team members, unbeknownst to me, went and bought. It's one of those Apple ladders. You know the ladders that not, there's not just two. Like, just like this, there's like the, the things on the bottom that flare out. It's super cool, old. And they cut out the bottom lad- rungs to the ladder. Some of you might remember this. Cut out the bottom rungs to the ladder and said, this is why we exist. Let this be a reminder as to why we exist. Because, because th- these were people that believed that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. There are plenty of people out there wanting to connect with God. They don't know where to put their foot to start. They don't know what direction to go. And that's where we come in as a church. We want to be a church that puts the bottom rungs on the ladder for those who are open 
to connecting with God. Not everybody's open. We know that. But I think the reality is if you spent, a lot, if you spent time talking with, with people in this town about spiritual matters, you would be presently, pleasantly surprised at how open they are to spiritual things. Church, maybe not so much, but spiritual things and God, that, yeah, they'll, they'll tell you their stories. They'll, they'll, they'll dig way back into to meaningful, hurtful times, you know, like times when they were hurting and they felt the presence of God. And they'd like more of that. They just don't know where to start. And here's, here's where this, is, this gets good. So the, the vision statement is to put the bottom rungs on the ladder for those who are open to connecting with God. If, you don't have to remember that. Just, all you have to remember is we want to be the bottom rungs. We want to put the bottom rungs on the ladder as a church. And this is, this is made more important than this. If you forget this, that's okay. I want you to remember what's next. The next slide is, is more important. You are the bottom rung. You are the bottom rung for someone. And, I, and here's the thing. I grew up in a culture that, like, we talked about the spiritual gifts, and some people have the spiritual gift of teaching or discipleship or evangelism. And here's the thing. I, my, my take on evangelism has totally changed over the years. It, it's changed drastically because I, I used to say that pre-Young uh, Life, pre-Andy Stanley, I would be like, no, I'm a discipler, and guys, we just don't have a choice. We, we just don't, like, if, if you read the Gospels, you can't, like, you can't read Jesus and say, yeah, Jesus would go leave the one, leave the 99 for the one, but I won't. Like, it's not one or the other. Like, there, there is no babysitters for the 99. We're all supposed to go and bring, we're all salt. Like, he, when he sees us, he sees salt. He sees light. And what good is light a bunch of, amidst a bunch of light? It's kind of superfluous. It's kind of silly. Right? Imagine if this ceiling had like 50 of these lights. You'd be like, they're cool and all, but I mean, come on. A little bit overdone. That's what church is like if we don't leave this place. It's a bunch of light hanging out with each other. And this, this to me is, is, is the reason for our existence is to, to raise up. This is what maybe sets us apart as a church. Is to raise up as many people as possible who look at themselves this way. I, th- th- I am the bottom rung for someone. And I know some of you are thinking, I'm, I'm young, I'm not sure, I, I, like I, I've been, been a believer that long, I'm not sure that's my style. And here, again, going back to what, like kind of one of our mottos or our battle cries to this whole series on calling, you're closer than you think, this is easier than you think. I'm not talking about going and preaching on street corners. That the, the, here's the nice thing, I'll just let you off the hook. That doesn't work. If it worked, I would probably be doing it. But it doesn't work. I'm not asking you to go knock on doors and hand tracks to people because that doesn't work. Not anymore. We're in a different era. But here's the reality. You know two or three people. This is where I want to leave you today. The application today is you don't have to make a list of 100. In fact, I was going to hand you like this, a chart or a paper, you know, like circles, like concentric circles of your network. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's way easier than that, and they won't remember that anyway. You'll, you can easily remember two or three people. Two or three people that you know that, that are far from God, and you know, maybe you already know the reasons why they're far from God, and you're like, those are your reasons? 
oh my God, please don't let that be your reasons. Like, 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 yeah, like uh, there's one, one of my two or three is a guy who's never been in church, but when we talk about church, he literally gives me news headlines one after another. Well, the church is this, right? Isn't the church just a bunch of priests doing da 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 da? Isn't this, and, and, and guess what? It's not just priests anymore. Like the, the evangelical world is getting blown up right now with scandal. And that's why we can't just sit here and, and collect light. We have to go be light in a world that, that, that has a very dark and dim uh, perspective on who we are as a church, as the church. The only way that changes, and, and here's, here's, I want to bring it personal. I want to make it personal. The reality is, and you can think of them, there are two or three people in your life that are in the grave danger of living their whole life with a complete misunderstanding of what it means to be a Christian. Right? Their perspective on Christianity, the Bible, God, is so off base. And, and, and you, you, it's not like you can just bring them in here. Or bring, they're not just, it's not like, hey, can we sit down and read the Bible? They have no interest. And we, we say this statement around here, long, long before somebody's willing to come in here to church and listen to me do what I'm doing right now. Because this is, this is foreign to a lot of people. A lot of people look at what we're doing right now like, okay, so once a week you go and sing some songs and listen to a guy tell you how to live your life? Like that, that, that's odd to, to people outside of church culture. Long before somebody will come to church and listen to what I have to say, they'll be your friend. That's the reality. Long before somebody will ever go to a, a Young Life event or to camp, they will, be, they, they will trust you. They will, they will have a conversation with you. They will, they will let you, they will listen to you, or, or better yet, they will let you listen to them. That's the reality. There's, there's two or three people in every person's life here, I promise that that's who you are, and they're in danger of falling through the cracks. And they need salt, and they need light in their life. What if you could be the one that brings it to them? And here's the beautiful part, and Christy and I were just talking about this the other day. Like, like just, she's like, I, I want to be, in so many words, she's, you know, to bring in this conversation, she was basically saying, I, I want to be salt and light, but this idea that I can, I'm going to do that all by myself, she's like, I need my church behind me. I need a community of believers who are legit to not just show them my life, but to show them their life. I, I need a church that understands that, that on any given Sunday, there are people here that are like, I don't know if I buy this. That's what they're thinking. They're not saying it because that'd be rude, but they're thinking it. And so we need a church environment where people can come and have the space to figure it out. And, and, and so this is, this is our strategy. And I don't have a slide for this, but like our strategy with you, if, if you, if you would, would partner with us, is we would ask that you would invest and invite. And in fact, just, just say that with me. Invest and invite. No one said it with me. Invest and invite. We, we would ask that you would invest in those two or three people. That, that, that you, maybe you have them in your mind right now. If you don't, like, don't leave here today without having them written down or at least etched in your brain. Those two or three people that, that God has placed you for. The two or three people that God's like, oh, 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 Twitch, he's, he's, he gets to hang out with her. I'm so glad. 
where God gets excited. That would be another way of looking at it. Where might God get excited that you're with that person? You work in the next cubicle next to that person. You get coffee from this person. Your neighbors with this person. Where does God get excited when he looks at your world and sees abundance? Where does he get excited? And, and, and so we would ask you that for those two or three people that you would invest in them. That you would go out of your way and say, kind of in a way say, these are my people. These are people that, to use our, our word, I'm called to care for. And, and, and I pr- you pray for them, spend time with them, go out of their way, out of your way, not to shove the gospel down their throat, not to preach at them, but to be legit. To be as, as close and as much as you can Christ to somebody who maybe doesn't understand who Christ actually is. Invest in those people. We had it early, early on, like, like in the months prior to um, planting the church, we had this kind of this, this idea or this dream. If what if every single person that doesn't go to church in this town was relationally represented by somebody who does go to church? What if, what if somebody, what if, what if everybody in this town who doesn't go to church and, and it was at least, at the very least, relationally represented by somebody, and what I mean by that is somebody in the church that loves Jesus says, no, those people are mine. That, that family, we, we love them. Like they're our family. They're, these people, like, and, and, and we're not just friends, but like I want to, I would like to bring light and salt into their life. What if every single person that doesn't, didn't go to church, this is a beautiful vision, didn't, maybe they will never come to church, but they'll at least know somebody who is a legit Christian and that was living life to, in a way that, that is like, oh, that's what it means to be a Christian? Yeah, that's what it means to be a Christian. What if we could do that? It starts with all of us, it just within our own network, saying, these people are mine. And, and, and when... It hits the fan in their life, I, I'm there for them. And when, when, when someone dies in, in their network, I, I'm with them. I, 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 that's what I've decided to do. That, that's, that's the invest portion. And then the second portion of, of the invest and invite is, is the, invi- the invite. And it's just simply this. We, uh, we want you to know that if you partner with us, our commitment is to, to do everything. Like, like another th- phrase that we found ourselves saying is, when we started Colorado Life Church, was like we wanted to build a church that was built from the ground up with the unchurched in mind. It's not for the unchurched because it's church for you guys. We want you to grow. We want you to, to grow deep with Christ. And we'll always be committed to being deeply Christian. And we, we'll take communion. We'll, we'll, we'll pray. We'll, we'll never not pray. We'll never not open scripture. We'll never we'll always sing praises to God anytime we're together on a Sunday morning, right? We'll do the, the Christian things. But we promise that if you do the, do, the due diligence of in, investing in somebody's life, and then, and then that one day where you, you put it on the line and say, I'm going to invite them to church, that there's going to be something for them here. But every Sunday, any, any environment that we create, we want to do it in such a way that the bottom rungs are on the ladder for somebody who doesn't understand why we're singing right now, who doesn't understand why, like, why would somebody just, you know, come to be, you know, preached at and told how to live? Like, like, we put the bottom rungs on the ladder and explain what it means to follow Christ. That's our desire. That's what we've worked hard from the beginning to do. And that's what we will continue to do that 
in our kids' environments here, if, if you're willing to invest, we're, we're hoping to build things that are worth inviting people to. That's why we do scatter church. It's not because, like, I, 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 we don't have enough content to preach about. It, it, honestly, scatter church makes all sorts of problems with scheduling. You've felt that probably. And we're like, no, we're going to do this because we, we've heard so many stories of people who, they don't come to this, what we call gather church. They've only come to scatter church. They're like, hey, I'm Jewish. Can I come to scatter church? Yeah, of course you can come to scatter church. Okay, cool. Like, I'm not going to come any other Sunday. That's fine. Just come, come serve with us. Because long before somebody comes to church with us, they'll serve with us. And so that's a bottom rung in and of itself. And so that's why we do things like, like in a couple weeks, on Labor Day weekend, we won't have church here. We'll put all of our energies into digital. I wish we had enough energy to do both digital and, and physical, but we don't. So every couple times a year, we do digital Sunday. And on that Sunday, it's your chance to go, you know, go wherever, and we'll go with you digitally for church. But that's also, when, I'm, when we're creating that content, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it in such a way that's like, okay, this, I want to put the bottom rungs on the ladder for somebody who would never set foot in the, a church, but like, they would maybe listen to a 20, 30-minute TED Talk on life and God and life with God. That's kind of what Digital, church, digital Sunday is designed to do. Everything we do is designed with the person who's not yet here in mind. And our promise is to be deeply Christian, but also ridiculously clear in what it means to be a Christian um, with our content, with our community. And, and so, like, our commitment to you as a believer is we want to give you tools Anybody who you bring here to church, we want to give them space. I think that's what a lot of people in this culture need is space, time to figure out what they believe, to figure out if they think that this is real or not. So hopefully places for conversation to happen where they, they can feel heard and not judged. That's our goal. That's our hope. And guys, here's the deal. Going, you know, all the way back to the idea of, like, a personal sense of calling, a general sense of calling that we're supposed to glorify God and enjoy him. Those are things that I wish for you and wish for me, all of it. And I long for us to be a, a community that understands the missional calling of God, that where each and every one of us get to go on mission with him for those who are far from him. And maybe, just maybe, we get a chance to walk, watch them. We get front row seats and popcorn to wa watching them walk towards him, to crossing the line of faith, to being baptized, to, to, to just being hungry for who God is and chasing after him. I want that for, I, guys, I want that for me so badly. And I want that for you. To use Jesus' word, it's a harvest it's a wonderful celebration. But Jesus would say, it's better over here. Life is better over on this side of that equation. Let's pray. God, I thank you for that day, however many years ago, where I was just working. And I probably wasn't all that happy about doing work in a double-wide trailer, but, Lord, you met me there. And that's the beautiful thing about who you are, is you meet us where we're at. And I pray that you would meet each of my friends this morning where they're at, that you would encourage them, that you would inspire them, that you would, um, yeah, encourage them. You would put courage in them, Lord. 
And they wouldn't leave today without two or three names in mind of who, who's theirs to care for, to, to, to walk with, to be there for. And I pray that you would give us the courage to, to, to do that and be that this week and the week to come, the week to come, and for however long it takes. Because you are a God that longs for, for none to perish, but all to come into saving knowledge of who you are. And for some reason, Lord, you said to us, you looked at your disciples and you said, and I want you to go and preach this gospel to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely you will be with us all the days of our lives. We thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.